This program is intended for informational and educational purposes only. All views and opinions expressed are the views and opinions of the individuals and sponsors presenting them, and not the LTB network. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy, episode 18. On BitcoinAverage.com, a millibit is trading at 64 cents, which is the same thing as $640 per Bitcoin. It even went up as high as $680 today and may have gone a little lower, but this is a significant and massive increase over the price last week. Pretty exciting business, and here's hoping that Bitcoin is just going to keep climbing, 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 climbing. Mmm, mmm, mmm. Now that's gravy. Welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy, and thanks for joining us today as we podcast from East Nashville, Tennessee. I'm John Barrett. And I'm Lid Shaw. We're two Bitcoin enthusiasts who love to talk about Bitcoin. And share what we learn with you, the listener. Welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy, and thanks for listening. On today's show, Lidge and I speak with Stephen McCaskill of Amagi Metals. Stephen talks to us today about the value of gold, the value of Bitcoin, and how a silver bullet may not save your life, but may be good to have around anyway. Stephen also introduces us to a word that promises to replace the overused word awesome. Yes, it's true, folks. Crypto is changing our world, but crypto is also now an adjective. Don't miss this interview. It is totally crypto. We also bring you a Bitcoins and Gravy scoop as we get to talk with Eddie Corral and Cedric Cobbin of BitShares Music for an introduction of what's to come as they offer us a sneak peek at a new music platform that just might give iTunes and Amazon a run for their money, or Bitcoin anyway. Hop on the tour bus and join the band next time you listen to your favorite music. BitShares Music lets you become the fifth Beatle. Today, Lidge and I are speaking with Stephen McCaskill of Amagi Metals. Stephen, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, Stephen. Glad to have you here. Yes, thank you for having me. So let's start out with Amagi Metals. How old is Amagi Metals? Yeah, so the company is actually six years old, but I joined on in 2010 when I purchased the company. Okay. And then I read that it was 2012, December, when you started accepting Bitcoins. Is that right? It was sometime between October and December. That's when we started looking into accepting it. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty early in the game, I'd say, certainly for being a retailer accepting Bitcoin. A friend told me about it, and I became instantly excited and eager to start working with it and accepting it. What led you to Bitcoin? What made you eager and excited at the onset? So I uh, went to school for financial economics, and I have a pretty big interest in sound money and financial responsibility. So when my friend from Uh, college after we graduated, called me and told me about it and explained, you know, the, the basic concepts and said, you should look into accepting it. And at that time, he was actually working for a payment processing company that uh, was supposed to process Bitcoin transactions, but his software just uh, never worked with ours. So um, I got uh, really eager to to accept it and started looking for places that would help me accept it and came across BitPay. Oh, cool. So you're with BitPay, right? And how's that been working for you? It's been working great um, for... 
a while, we were one of the, if not the largest Bitcoin retail business in the world. And um, BitPay helped us facilitate that and made it really easy for customers to purchase precious metals with cryptocurrency. They've been really great with us. That's exciting, being number one, the champions. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But now, now people can buy things like gas and food and video games and anything in the world with Bitcoin. So through Amazon or Overstock or all the other places. So Bitcoin can be diversified between all kinds of retailers. So mm-hmm. it makes it a lot more difficult for one company to stand out and you know, stay in the game as the number one. So are you no longer the number one? Yeah, I, I would say uh, I think Gift first oh, right. uh, overtook us uh, back in November. Oh, wow. And then uh, mining companies, I think, have always done a little bit better uh, just because they've always accepted Bitcoin and, you know, the mining business is a big operation. Other than that, I mean, I wouldn't say there are too many others. Overstock.com just hit their 1.6 million mark. Yeah, sure, they're uh, huge. Woohoo! Yeah. And we've done close to that in just a month. I'm not sure what's going on out there in terms of competition, but I assume that we're still pretty high up there. Yeah, yeah. it's not really so much a competitive environment anyway. It's sort of a, a community. Oh, yeah. Well, they always say that number one is the worst place to be because there's only one place to go <laughs> after that. But still very impressive that you guys were the pioneers as retailers like that. Yeah. Does Tony Gallippi invite you over to his house every year for Christmas dinner or anything like that? Do you- <laughs> <laughs> um, I have actually uh, been to their headquarters and hung out with them. Cool. Uh, it's a, they're a great crew. Um, I actually haven't talked to Tony in a while, but um, yeah, I, I try and keep in touch with them. And what does he serve the Christmas goose on? Is it silver, gold, <laughs> platinum? Tell us about what you sell at Amagi Metals. Yeah, so we sell uh, gold, silver, and platinum bullion, uh, such as coins, bars, and rounds. And we sell them to individuals uh, and institutions around the world. And um, it's great to see how many people around the world understand and value sound money. And uh, since we've been accepting cryptocurrency, it's also been great to see how many people in the Bitcoin world uh, understand sound money and uh, what, what real money is, as opposed to what we have today, these dollars that are backed by uh, monopoly and really have no um, underlying value other than that. Yeah, well, I got a great quote off your website. You guys said, gold has been used as money for almost 3,000 years because it preserves value. Protect your future wealth and savings by converting it into gold. Would you like to explain that a little further? Gold and silver have uh, a lot of unique properties that uh, can be seen as money. Up until uh, Bitcoin, they've been easily uh, denominated. You can break them down to pretty much any fraction. Bitcoin just does that a little bit better. But uh, other than that, um, they have uh, many different uses. Gold doesn't corrode. Gold and silver conduct heat and electricity pretty much uh, better than any other metal. I think silver wins that as far as having the highest electrical and thermal conductivity. Isn't that right? Yes, yes. Yeah, I think our microphone cables might be have silver inside them here. Let's hope so, man. Pretty much every electronic device has some form of precious metal in it, whether it's gold or silver. Um, And then solar is big, right? Yeah. So the interesting thing is over 50% of gold is used in jewelry. 
I guess it can be said that humans have always liked shiny objects. Mm-hmm. And because gold has been around for 3,000 years, it has a track record of having this stable value. And that's why a lot of people like it. And today, a lot of people dislike cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin because it doesn't have that proven track record. I definitely think that there will be a track record uh, that will be positive in the future. Well, so let's see. Some of the things I saw on your site that looked pretty fascinating, there's beautiful rounds and coins on there, really gorgeous stuff. Oh, yeah. There was some unusual stuff, too. What is silver shot? It looked like a giant bucket of leftover silver or something, and it was also one of the more expensive items. What it is is, is usually recycled silver or silver that's um, scrap silver or silver that's been melted down. And what they do after they melt it is they pour it into a bucket of water. As the silver hits the bucket of water, it instantly cools and creates these small pieces of silver. It's called silver shot or industrial silver, and it's used to either be melted down to make new silver products, such as uh, sterling silver, jewelry or coins or anything like that. A lot of people have been purchasing it as well in smaller denominations, because it's so easy to divide it down to one gram units, which a gram is uh, something like less than a dollar. It's a way for someone to easily denominate silver. However, uh, for a larger quantity, if you're buying something like 500 ounces, it should be a lot cheaper. When you start breaking it down, the cost of manually breaking it down is a lot higher. So the unit cost is higher. Hmm. It's like buying a Coca-Cola at a convenience store, as opposed to buying, you know, a two liter bottle at Sam's Club, you know, a full six pack or 12 pack of Coca-Cola. I was just going to say, yeah, but you can't make silver bullets to take care of werewolves out of two liters of (laughs) Coca-Cola, though, can you? Exactly. So I was going to talk about the silver shot. I'm wondering if people were using that to make, you know, people make their own um, shells for their shotguns. They also make their own bullets. I'm wondering if people are using that shot to make their shotgun shells, you know, in preparation for werewolves and vampires and things like that. Because, you know, you do sell silver bullets. I'm glad you brought that up, Lidge. I bought a silver bullet along with some rounds from you all about a month ago. Gave it to my father on his 78th birthday, and he was thrilled by it. You know, had a little card that said, for fighting vampires, werewolves, or what have you. And he just loved that. So yeah, anybody listening, you can get an actual real one ounce silver bullet. Back in 2010, I used to make them myself just kind of as a hobby. I thought it was fun to do with Silver Shot. And then uh, I saw a major mint uh, start making them. And uh, they produce them in mass. The only sad thing is that the mint that produces them has all kinds of delays. Their biggest customer is the U.S. government, mm. and they make uh, metal for base and precious metals for, um, I think, the Department of Defense. And since that's their largest customer, they have terrible customer service and terrible delays. Hmm. So, you know, sometimes when there's a huge demand for these silver bullets, uh, they become delayed for 12 weeks out because they're uh, so popular. But, um, yeah, they're, they're uh, really awesome. Uh, one of our top selling unique items, I'd say because we do sell a lot more of our investment products than those, but they're still pretty popular. Switch the subject a little bit for a second. Let's talk a little bit about how you're competing with the other precious metals sellers online and any plans you might have for 
accepting altcoins like Litecoins and Dogecoins or anything like that. Do you have any plans like that for the future? Yes. Uh, so I'll start backwards. We actually already do accept altcoins. Uh, we accept Litecoin, Darkcoin, Dogecoin, and Potcoin. Wow. Wow. So, that's yeah. Cool. That's cool. I didn't see that yet, but that's very interesting. Yeah, that's great. Wow. We just added Darkcoin and Potcoin to the roster. I don't know if, if you're aware of this, but here in Colorado, they've been playing radio advertisements for Potcoin nonstop. Wow. And it's really amazing to hear on the radio, they're talking about cryptocurrency circumventing the financial institutions because dispensaries are unable to open bank accounts so people can buy and sell marijuana with Potcoin. Tell me, are you in Denver, Colorado? Yes. I always think of Denver as just like, seriously, like the old Wild West still. Everybody's carrying guns. They're buying gold. They're with yeah. silver bullets. <laughs> with silver bullets in them. There's, you know, they're growing marijuana there. They're selling marijuana. They're selling marijuana coins, silver marijuana coins, digital marijuana coins. And back here in Tennessee, we're still what? I think we're still working on the technology behind the suspension of the Conestoga wagon. I mean, <laughs> I'm not trying to say anything bad about Tennessee. I love this state. There's a lot of, you know, progressive minded people here just using the dictionary definition of progressive people who like to think progressively like as in we're going to progress into the future yeah not not talking about insurance right not talking about <laughs> insurance or any political party exactly that's fascinating and, and i like some of the irony in there that i noticed you had something on the site called the jesus shekel which i was going to ask you about but you can buy a jesus shekel with the dark coin now so that's oh, pretty no. interesting oh, twist no. on it what, what's what, what is that can you tell us about the jesus shekel yeah, um, it's a product that came from a very popular line. It's called Silver Bullet Silver Shield. And uh, we are one of four dealers that uh, sell Silver Bullet Silver Shield products. And they've uh, changed their name now to just Silver Shield. But they're coming out with a lot of new products. A lot of them are uh, liberty-oriented. But one of them was this Jesus round. The other interesting thing which uh, we never offered, but the guy behind it was very anti-Bitcoin, and he came out with another round called Bitcoin the same time that he came out with the Jesus round. But um, he received so much backlash that they basically withdrew it. We never sold it, and I was very against selling that, <laughs> um, you know, because it was slamming Bitcoin. So right, right. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely something that we would not support. So uh, to answer the rest of your question, I think you're asking what steps we're doing to compete, I guess, with the big guys. We have just been undergoing huge internal infrastructure changes. And along with that, uh, we're getting a brand new website and it's going to be completely different from what you see now. And it's going to have a lot more offerings. Part of those offerings are market alerts for commodities, including precious metals and cryptocurrency. So if, if gold drops below 1200, you'll get a text or an email saying it's dropped below 1200. Or if Bitcoin goes above 600, you'll get an email or a text saying, hey, uh, Bitcoin just hit 600 bucks. That's a smart move. I like the ticker tape that you had already on your website. It's great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So in our new website, people will be able to check out and pay in three clicks. They'll be able to pay with Bitcoin. Products will be priced in Bitcoins rather than just dollars. Don't you guys have that now? Though? I think Can't you toggle between USD, Bitcoin, and something else, a euro or something as far as looking at the prices? 
Right now, uh, it's it's all the currencies except for Bitcoin, and we have it. It just has a few bugs, but with the new website, uh, all of that will be implemented without any of the bugs. Well, that's exciting because I've always found your website to be very easy to navigate. So if it's going to be even better, I think that's great, man. Yeah, I agree. And Thank you know you. what? I've also noticed that you all do a good job of educating people. You're not just trying to sell precious metals. You're trying to educate people about the importance of precious metals, and I guess now you're going to be educating people even more about the importance of digital currencies. Is that right? It's tricky. It's it's an uphill battle. Um, so it's it's not necessarily uh, precious metals or cryptocurrency. It's more like uh, sound money, uh, basic financial responsibility, and uh, simple economic lessons. You know, the free market's great, and cryptocurrencies are competing for each other. Uh, they're competing and I think they're also complementary with precious metals. We're trying to educate people as much as possible, but uh, like I said, it's an uphill battle because there are so many perverse incentives out there. And most of those perverse incentives have been created by the government. And for example, we have inflation because the government increases the money supply every year. And with inflation, your dollar is worth less a year from now. So if you put $100 in the bank, that $100 is going to be worth less. So what incentive do these people have to save? If your money is worth less every year, then you have an incentive to spend that money and get rid of it. Also with inflation comes cheap credit. So people can borrow huge amounts of money. And that's what we're seeing. Instead of saving, people are dissaving and spending more than they're making. But those are just two. I mean, with bankruptcy legislation, where somebody can basically wipe all their debt free, except for student loans, um, no public education is taught. You know, you don't really see economics or financial responsibility taught in the public schools. So all of these things add up. I think it's really sad that the idea of saving is gone. That's from another generation. So <laughs> as soon as somebody tries to save, right, like savings and bitcoins, what do people say? You're hoarding. You're hoarding. You've got to spend that immediately, right? Not only that, but go into debt, get some more, you know, take out a loan and get some more. It's insane. Yeah. It's insanity. When there's deflation, when your money is worth more next year, then you have an incentive to save, to save for retirement, to save for your children's education, whatever. It's an upward battle because uh, there are so many incentives in place to give people an out uh, from financial responsibility. So I think that Bitcoin is definitely helping to bring more knowledge to the table and, and educate people. Indeed. In the name of education and educating our listeners and directing them toward your site, here's a question that I've always wanted to know, and I've never had anybody with a Magi on the phone that I could actually ask. So let's say that somebody, Joe, wants to go buy, let's say, $9,000 worth of gold using Bitcoin, right? He puts in the order at Amagi Metals. Does anybody else beside Joe and Amagi Metals know about that transaction? Is that transaction going to be reported to anybody else at any point in time? Uh, the answer is no, unless there's a subpoena or some kind of court order that specifically asks for that person's information. That means that somebody would have to already know what your transactions are, 
uh, you know, if you're a drug dealer or a terrorist or something like that, they're already on to you. Let me ask the question again in a different way. Let's say Joe wants to buy $11,000 worth of gold and he goes to Amagi Metals and he spends $11,000 worth of Bitcoin to buy gold. Does anybody else beside Joe and Amagi know about that transaction? Um, as of right now, no. So we do have AML and KYC policies. And so when you check out through our website, you uh, give us your address, your name, your phone number, and your order. And that's what we need to verify our, our KYC compliance. And then if you are spending $10,000 or more in cash or cash equivalent, they define right now cash equivalent as cashier's check, money order, or um, traveler's check or cash. Then you must fill out an IRS form 8300 and we uh, must acquire some additional information from you, like your social security number. And we must also alert you and let you know that uh, we have sent in a form. That does not apply to Bitcoin because Bitcoin is not seen as cash or cash equivalent as of right now. That could definitely change in the near future. But uh, and if that does change, then, of course, we would definitely let our customers know. Okay, and just for our new listeners out there who may not know these acronyms yet, AML and KYC, can you explain those? AML is anti-money laundering, and KYC is know your customer. They originated, I believe, from the BSA, which is the Bank Secrecy Act of 1970. And the purpose uh, back then was to basically create paper trails for any large transaction to prevent uh, money laundering. And uh, supposedly somewhere between $750 billion and $1.5 trillion a year are laundered. It varies between people who are doing illegal activities like drugs, or at least this is what the government tells us, uh, drugs, terrorists, and then um, banks or somebody who doesn't want to pay taxes. They've had these in place. Uh, the Patriot Act actually added and uh, adjusted the Bank Secrecy Act uh, to make it a little bit more strict to uh, supposedly protect the United States from terrorists. My opinion, I, I don't think that it's been very helpful. I think it's been a hindrance to the economy, but it is something that we are required to have to uh, not go to jail, to not pay fines, uh, you know, to be left alone. Okay. Well, Stephen, thank you for that explanation. That was helpful. And just for your information, uh, like we don't sell any of our customer information. We try and secure it as much as possible. We have a very big and strong privacy policy. So we definitely respect our customers' privacy. Well, Stephen, thank you so much for joining us on the show on Bitcoins and Gravy today. It's been really fantastic talking to you. It's a beautiful company. I really enjoyed seeing all the coins and the rounds on there. Just beautiful stuff. Thank you so much. So, Stephen, before we go, can you tell our listeners the origin of the name Amagi? Yes. Amagi came from the very first human civilization, Sumeria, and it's the first human representation of liberty. And it's great to see that uh, since the beginning of human civilization, we've always yearned it. And uh, I think that it's inherent in human nature. Nice. Cool. Very cool. I say a round of applause for Amagi. Round of applause. <laughs> Thank you. Bitcoin clap. <laughs> 
Nice, nice. <laughs> hey, Stephen, thank you so much for joining us today, and I hope that you will uh, come back and join us again sometime soon. And just also let our listeners know how they can find you. Oh, yes. Uh, so you can visit our website at amagimetals.com. That's A-M-A-G-I metals.com. Great. And do you have a Twitter handle or anything you'd like them to be following? Yes, we have uh, a Twitter, which is Amagi Metals. And then our Facebook page is facebook.com slash Amagi Metals as well. So as long as they can remember Amagi Metals, they're good to go, right? <laughs> exactly. Nice, yes. man. That is great. Thank you so much, Stephen. Yes. Thank you so much, guys. Yes. Thank you, Stephen. And we look forward to speaking to you again in the future. And we'll keep our eye out for those silver bullets. Terrific. I look forward to it. Yeah, man. Thanks, Stephen. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. I'm John Barrett. And I'm Lid Shaw. We're two guys from East Nashville, Tennessee, who love talking about Bitcoin. Join us for Bitcoins and Gravy right here as we talk with business owners around the country and around the world who are using Bitcoins right now to grow their businesses. We interview Bitcoin experts about cutting-edge developments, the future of Bitcoin the currency, and Bitcoin the shared network. We also talk with everyday folks who use Bitcoins instead of money for everyday purchases. And if you're still not sure about Bitcoins, we can help. Bitcoins and gravy will get you up to speed with this new fast-paced technology bitcoin we invite you the listener to call us on the bitcoins and gravy hotline at 615-208-5198 with your questions or comments about bitcoin and remember to tune in right here for bitcoins and gravy Mm-mm-mm. now that's gravy And now a Bitcoins and Gravy contest update. So far, Lidge and I have received some great video submissions for the contest, but we want more. It's very easy to enter our contest. Just go to YouTube and check out the official Bitcoin song, Ode to Satoshi. Then get a friend to videotape you doing a karaoke number or playing along with or dancing along with or doing something entertaining along with the song. We're going to put all of these great performances into our music video that we are in the process of making. And the one that Lidge and I love the best is going to win the grand prize, which is 0.25 bitcoins. That's one quarter of a bitcoin. That's 250 millibitcoins that you can win by submitting your video today. Submitting your video is easy. Just take your video, load it to YouTube, and let us know where to find it. Hey, y'all, what could be easier than that? So get your video submissions in today to Bitcoins and Gravy for a chance to win 250 millibitcoins. If you look at human history and the English language, you'll see that the word gold is used in more than one cliche. You'll see people say, oh, that's the gold standard of the industry. Mm -hmm. He has a heart of gold. That's a gold mine. And there are many others. A lot of these cliches come from the Bible, but we still use them. And maybe subconsciously, we don't realize this, but as a society, we see that there's value in gold. People value it and see it as one of the most valuable things out there. When we look at cliches, there are lots of cliches today that reference something that's being really neat. And if you look at 
the history of it, yeah, you know, we, we can see the word has evolved from things like groovy, awesome, amazing, cool. So to bring a new cliche into the English language, I'd like to propose crypto, which has a double <laughs> meaning. One is that it's cool because it's in reference to cryptocurrency, yeah. but also that it has value like gold and silver. So mm, uh, when, nice. when you say that something is cool, Instead of using the word cool, I recommend everyone use the word crypto. That is so crypto, man. It's so crypto. You know, when I was a kid, we used to say Dece, too, for decent and EXO. That was pretty brief, but I like crypto. Well, let's do it. Let's introduce it to the world. Let's sign off with a new word. I think that we are on the cusp of the largest nonviolent human revolution the world has ever seen, and that is crypto. That is crypto, That is crypto, man. Crypto, man. Way crypto. Totally crypto. Wait, can I say that? Can I say way crypto or is that my, am I already disclosing? <laughs> of course. Say, I just said totally crypto. I think that's okay. I can't say like awesome crypto. No, right you leave that awesome <laughs> out of there, dude. It's, crypto. it's now crypto. Crypto's taken over. Hey, thanks, Stephen. We really appreciate it, man. Yes, thank you and have a wonderful day, guys. All right, folks, it's time once again for the Aw Heck section of the show. Hotlines, emails, and comments, kids. Here's an email that came in from Ed Hurd. Ed says, guys, you're being too tough on nuclear. Check out LFTR, loyal listener. Okay, well, I had no idea what LFTR stands for, so I looked it up on Wikipedia. Turns out LFTR is liquid fluoride thorium reactors. Well, I don't know a whole lot about this technology, so by all means, I don't know that we would intend to throw nuclear onto the bus in support of solar energy, but clearly solar energy is an excellent choice and seems like a very pure method of getting energy onto the grid and into our homes. And for those of you that might like to throw solar energy onto the bus, here is a hilarious article that I read recently. It was in the National Report, brought to you by Halliburton. And it says, this week, a scientific research facility in Wyoming made a startling discovery that is certain to change the way millions of Americans look at the environmentalism movement after they found conclusive evidence that solar panels not only convert the sun's energy into usable energy, but that they are also draining the sun of its own energy, possibly with catastrophic consequences far worse than global warming. It goes on to say, currently, solar panels are an energy niche and do not pose a serious risk to the sun. But if we converted our grids to solar energy in a big way, with panels on domestic homes and commercial businesses, and paving our parking lots with panels, why we'd start to see very serious problems over time. If every home in the world had solar panels on their roofs, global temperatures would drop by as much as 30 degrees over 20 years, and the sun could die out within 300 to 400 years. Well, the study was commissioned in August 2011 by the Halliburton Corporation, who wanted to learn if the energy giant should start manufacturing and selling solar panels domestically and internationally. Solar panels destroying the sun could potentially be the worst man-made climate disaster in the history of the world, and Halliburton will not be taking part in that, the company stated in a press release issued Friday morning. 
It's obvious, based on the findings of this neutral scientific research group, that humans need to become more dependent on fossil fuels like oil and coal, not less, because these so-called green technologies, I'm doing finger quotes in the air here, are far more dangerous to the earth than any hydrofracking operation or deep water drilling station. What good is clean air when our very sun is no longer functional? Brought to you by nationalreport.net. We are super thrilled and excited to be speaking with Eddie Corral. And Eddie, tell us where you are. Houston, Texas. And Cedric Cobbin. And where are you in Canada? I'm in a small town called Sherbrooke. It's about an hour east of Montreal. You guys are with BitShares Music. And uh, so a little bit of background. Eddie, I know you've got a lot of history in the music industry, A&R, and doing a lot of hip-hop production going all the way back to the 90s. And correct me if I'm wrong on some of my credits. I see H-Town Mob and Missy Elliott and Destiny's Child on the list. Wow. Yeah, I go way, way back to the concert days, too. Very early, like when I was 16 years old, a lot of the guys that I started off with there control, God, some of the biggest corporations in the world, AEG, Live Nation. You know, I I worked with these guys when they were doing concerts on napkins and, you know, selling tickets and printing them in the garage and, you know, those kind of things. Back when you could really scalp a ticket. Concerts on napkins, are you talking about drawing out Stonehenge, but, you know, putting 10 inches instead of 10 feet? Yeah, (laughs) That's right. Doing deals on the anvil case, you know, and trying to book the tour for the, you know, the next leg. And I mean, yeah, back in the stadium days, you know, when motocross was around and Devo. So, yeah, it was a lot of a lot of good fun times, you know, and it's tough to be in the business today, though. I'll say that. Well, you know, here in Nashville, Tennessee, I think motocross might still be going right. Or have we got monster trucks anyway. We got monster oh, trucks. It, it, yeah. yeah, it's graduated to monster trucks. Man, they, I watch TV. They're actually in this neighborhood. I don't know if those are U.S. government experiments being done somewhere in another part of the world, and or does that really exist? <laughs> oh, man. Okay. All right. And Cedric, uh, Eddie has introduced you to me as the Daniel Larimer of the BitShares Music Project. Um, so I, <laughs> I wish, yeah. Oh, I nice. take that as the you know the brains behind the uh, the programming and the technology and all that. I uh, kind of like a link between both. Uh, but the link between, I guess, the BitShares forum world, the, the Bitcoin world, and Eddie's musical career, his skills, his contacts in that domain. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I just basically crawled out of the forums, uh, just wondering <laughs> how we could do this. And uh, yeah, actually, I was kind of a Bitcoin nut since 2011. That's when I found out about it. But uh, yeah, BitShares, as soon as they popped up on the radar, uh, I started looking into them. And yeah, after a couple months, this project kind of just fell into my lap. Here's the, the chain of events, basically. Got into Austrian economics, which led me to finance, which led me to real estate, which led me to my Facebook newsfeed talking to me about Bitcoin, 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 Bitcoin back in 2011. I think it was uh, Jeff Berwick's probably the first guy I saw post something about it. And once I got into that, my whole world started to revolve around that. I got into it. It crashed from like the $30 mark to the $2 mark or something. So I kind of just put it on the sideburn, kind of forgot it for a few months. And then April 2013 came and yeah, I got back into it full steam ahead. And when BitShares came up, I started 
wondering what are the other possibilities. I had never understood how Bitcoin worked before. I was just interested in the possibilities it provided. But when April hit, I started wanting to learn what exactly is this? How does this work? And when you start looking at to how it works, you start thinking of different ideas. And that's when that idea for the BitShares music basically kind of popped up. So uh, I see on your Skype images that, um, Eddie, you are represented by Felix the Cat and Cedric, hmm. you are represented by, <laughs> it looks like your your body is in the shape of a pretzel and you're crushing somebody's skull on the ground there or something. I'm not sure what, are you in martial <laughs> arts? Is that what this is? Yeah. I'm, uh, and that's what, hey, and by the way, that's what we send to creditors. Okay. We send that to creditors. <laughs> the crush don't mess with this. That's don't mess it. with the crush You out. do understand the music business. <laughs> it's roots and where it's headed. I know you guys haven't launched BitShares Music in its in its completion yet. It's not quite out there. And real quick to clear that up, there are two things happening here. You have the BitShares group, Daniel and his group, which we're part of, mm -hmm. but we're running an independent window reader that will look into the blockchain that we're creating. But we are going to run that business on the forefront and we'll sit on top of that blockchain. He's developing things for the gambling industry, you know, banking, mm -hmm. insurance companies. So we decided to take the entertainment sector and start off with the music business first. You know, that's always seems to be a good introduction into bigger things. It, you know, there's a great population there and how people buy, sell, trade music. And Cedric will probably expand real quick on the overall idea, but the basis of it is really integrating with Daniel's platform. Eventually, other people will be able to build things and these decentralized units, corporations that no longer have to issue stock certificates. And, you know, this is such a, a, an easier way to deal with. Now, with that said, what we're about to undertake is not easy either. We are having to follow, and this has been a big challenge, I think, that everybody in this business understands, and that's regulation. People think that they're operating these crypto exchanges or doing it on the fly. Let me tell you, FinCEN, the SEC, are coming. I talk to these guys probably once a week just to try to get our vision, what we're trying to do, cleared, licensed, properly regulated. And, you know, what that does is it brings credibility to the website. You know, what we're trying to do, we're going to be trading music, songs. When you look at that, money's exchanging, people will see profits, you know, okay, who regulates all that? So in order, in all fairness, to keep a legitimate, clean, credible site, you know, we decided, hey, we'll, we'll play ball, we'll file our proper licenses, but it's going to be using the blockchain technology and all the other benefits we get from it. So that's kind of my two cents on all of it. But I've gotten a lot of questions of like when we're going to launch. And the platform, I will say, is working. We feel great about it. If I could race tomorrow and they gave me my permit to go out the Kentucky Derby, <laughs> I'd be the first horse out of the gate running as fast <laughs> as I can. But until they give me my number and my colors, I can't do anything. So we're almost there. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think a lot of people are looking forward to the regulation for businesses and for platforms like you're talking about. But then there are a lot of other people who are working really hard and diligently toward decentralized anything you can name, decentralized fill in the blank where there is no central authority, where there is no server that you can shut down, where really it's considered completely peer-to-peer. -peer. So I really think the world of Bitcoin and probably BitShares is going to be split. And maybe BitShares already is split off from Bitcoin in that people say BitShares is really more for businesses and Bitcoin's really more for finance. 
I think as far as bit shares right. being for business, I think, yes, it's going to have to be legitimized, going to have to comply with regulations, whereas there's a whole group of Bitcoin folks that are working on things that are basically going to be like the dark wallet where they're completely decentralized. Right. right. And the decentralized method will be very good, but it's not out yet. And we need our product out yet. So we have to go, you know, we have to go the traditional corporation with it has an address, it has a phone number, it has all the traditional regulatable aspects to it. So we have to go that route because those other options aren't there yet. Yeah, I think that's smart. I think that's good. Yeah. And at the New York conference that just took place a couple months ago, that was one of the biggest things at the Inside Bitcoin conference. How do we get the public to embrace this? You know how you've got to start small, easy. And if music is a way to do it, we can get the kids. Look, we've been smart enough to make this a virtual concept a game in space that you play with music but at the end of the day if you're smart enough you can take that virtual currency and convert it to a bitcoin to cash out and put some money in your pocket i have a daughter nine years old she's already all through the youtube and instagram i don't even have an instagram account and, and you wouldn't want to see those pictures anyway but i'm just you know again we i can send pictures <laughs> over the over the email That's, if i have i was to. young i needed the money that's why Felix the cat is your Skype image. <laughs> well, so, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. You know, to me, BitShares is just another way of attaching value within a blockchain. And the value here happens to be part of a corporation, a decentralized one at that, whereas Bitcoin is a value and currency on top of a Bitcoin blockchain. Right. And just to clarify a little bit how it's going to work, it's the BitShares Music blockchain, which is the blockchain that the BitShares guys are creating, Daniel Armour. And we are going to have a front end end to that. So okay. we're basically just a website, a social media network where you can buy music, listen to music, and you can even invest in your favorite artist and you can cash out in crypto. But everything on the front end is a corporation plugging into a decentralized autonomous company that Daniel Larimer is creating, if that makes sense. Okay. BitShares Music is part of the BitShares website as one of the industries, right? Along with banking and other ones. Daniel Larimer is creating BitShares Music. It's just okay. a variation of BitShares ME, which is another other spinoff from uh, BitShares X, the BitShares Exchange. They're creating the blockchains. All the blockchains are created by them. Mm -hmm. they're, they're the coders. They're the wizards. What we are doing is the centralized company, website, platform that plugs into it. So it's a symbiotic relationship. Really. Yeah, but, but we will be the first full-blown featured public in your face. We take credit card, PayPal, crypto, buy your song here, look out iTunes, get out of my way, Amazon. I'm coming up the middle. I'm nice. coming right up the middle for the yeah. touchdown. Okay, now we're salivating here. Religion, are you ready to hear yeah, about ready. this thing? Man? I'm absolutely ready. I've been ready. You, you have no idea. When I first spoke to Eddie on the phone, we talked for at least an hour solid, and I was kicking myself the whole time that it wasn't a podcast oh, episode. Oh, man. But here we have you now. So, guys, tell us what it means for music. Cedric and Eddie, we are ready. All right. Let, let, me, let me start. Go ahead, So, Cedric. basically, Napster started something awesome. Right. I, I started with Napster. I did not know what P2P meant at all. I just knew that when I typed in Eminem, I had an Eminem song. It took 20 minutes to download it. Sure. But that's the modem's fault. So that really introduced me, my young self, to the peer-to-peer -peer world. Even though I didn't know what it was, this is our goal. We're trying to introduce everybody to the crypto world without even them necessarily knowing what the hell that means. Mm -hmm. So by having a website where you just, 
you're familiar with Pandora. We're looking to have a website where people just go to to listen to music, have playlists generated, just a place to discover new music, new artists. Everybody all the has, all yeah, the exactly, all the basics. Everybody has 30 <laughs> gigs of music, but we all listen to the same three albums. So <laughs> there's a big demand for having a playlist website. We're just going to have this basic little website just like that, where you can also purchase. Only instead of going to iTunes Store, you're going to be sending crypto, so no credit card fees. We can undercut the main expense. A credit card fee, as you know, is about 30 cents. So on a 99 cent song, 30 cents is enormous. Now, if we now, can let, just under- let me interject and, and people yeah. know that, you know, iTunes, here's the math, 69 cents maybe goes to your label or whatever artist label you're signed to, right? So, and by the time the label chops it up, you know, what does the artist really get in the end? Yeah. So yeah. whether you're independent or what, look, we're talking to the major labels too. This is a unified platform. And for the first time, the labels, you know what they said? And I've got relationships with these people. They said, you know what, Eddie, come on in. We need to hear this. What's going on out there? Why are we not a part of this? What is it exactly? And you got to be simple. If you get into Bitcoin and Mt. Gox and, and blockchain and, you know, oh, look, 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 that's too much for them. Yeah. Keep it simple. Yeah. Have that button. When the kid goes to iTunes, it, just imagine an iTunes, but now you have a button where you can buy a share into the song. You can buy a bit share. That's our first original concept on this. We may change that to a coin, again, due to some regulation issue. Regardless, the fan now gets to participate in the purchase mm-hmm. and, and eventually get his money back, believe it or not, the way we've done the math on this. So what that does is it encourages the band, the artist. They're telling their fans, their fans are telling their friends, hey, if you go to this site, it's interesting. You buy it, you get the download, but you can buy a share into the song for an extra dollar, okay? What's happening, though, is the artist who is getting that 99-cent for that download, if it's the artist direct, like a lot of people will have independent music, independent arts, guess what? You get all of the 99 cents. That's your money, okay? But you said, I'm going to give 15% of this away to my fans. This is what I sold in BitShares. So now the fans actually own 15% and the artist retains 85% ownership. And this is just all on this platform. You, you know, we don't buy into the copyright. You go sell on iTunes. Do whatever you want, but we're driving traffic to this new concept. So now the fans are engaged with the artists. They're partners. Right. So if the song does well, then everybody involved is going to do well, right? If you would have been able to sample and hear Happy, right, two weeks before it came out, and let's say uh, Columbia or what's it, Universal Products says, we'll give you the song, sample it to your audience, and we want to issue 100,000 bit shares at $2 a piece. They probably would have sold out or maybe sold half. Yeah, I agree. Wouldn't you have liked to have had that to still today? That's what would that be worth in sales? Incredible. Yeah. Well, guys, I, in full, complete transparency, I have to let you guys know that over here at the Toy Box Studio, actually, the only song we listen to is Ode to Satoshi. Over and over and over again. By the way, that's an amazing <laughs> Now, song. I will say that we may have a chance with that. That's right. I think the crypto bit world will all get behind that. Well, that's nice. right. Make a donation. Well, so guys, help us out a little bit. How do you define success of a song? I mean, what does that mean if a song succeeds? Does that just mean if a lot of people like it? How does a song go about earning money? And how does one who's invested in a song find their investment going? Right. And I'll, I'll just throw in two cents on that. And then Cedric, you can pick up. You know, there are two things. If you 
you look at a regular Kickstarter effect or program, there's a lot of independent, never heard before music. They're able to raise five to ten thousand dollars. It's amazing. I, you know, I was on there going, "Who are these people? Yeah, are they really any good? I mean, come on, let's face it. Independence, independent." But is the music any good? Whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And so to answer your question, are we going to be a Kickstarter? No, we can accommodate that and we will. We decided there's a way to help a lot of independent, no-name, never-heard people. But what this benefits and helps is the guy who's out there working in the bar who has a following. You know, if you really want to talk about independent, talk about those guys that get out in the clubs, not the guy writing the music that's afraid to get out in front of the public sitting in a garage somewhere. Get with the working people that tour the clubs. I've seen, I've worked with a lot of these guys, man. And, you know, if you bring these opportunities to them, help them really maximize their fan base, that's what it's about. Yeah. You know, because for, for every 1,000 people, 100 will listen to you and 10 of them will buy that download. 10 of them will buy that share, you know, and then those 10 tell another 10 and that's how you build it. I've seen it too many times. And then you're right. If the song is good, it's good. It just helps the situation. If it's bad, well, you know, <laughs> well, it can't help that, but it's like anything else. <laughs> Well, that's very cool. So basically, the valuation of the song goes up through the purchasing of the shares? Uh, not exactly. That's part so, of it. That's part yeah, of it. Yeah, right? part okay. of it. So we could see it as um, as kind of a Kickstarter effect, but you have to realize it's a grassroots movement. Like take Bitcoin, for example. Bitcoin has no marketing department, but everybody knows about Well, not everybody, but a lot of people know about it now. Why? Because every single person that owns a Bitcoin owns a share of that, I guess you could say DAC, right? That decentralized autonomous company. Mm -hmm. So when you hold a Bitcoin, you have an interest in Bitcoin, the network. Now, imagine that when, let's say, Pharrell came out with his song, Happy, on his website, you could just, you, you heard it streaming. It was in one of the playlists on the side. Oh, I like this. You want to buy it. But you could also buy a BitShare or whatever it's going to be called of that song. Once you have that, you can easily just share it to Facebook, Twitter. And the effect that has is that now instead of just sharing music because I'm altruistic or I kind of like this artist, it's good. Maybe my friends will like it too. Now you actually have a selfish monetary reason for sharing a song you find good because you own a stake in it. If that takes off, if it goes viral, you just made, let's say, 75 bucks off your 75 cents purchase after a month. Right now, my MP3 playlist library, if I open up my iPod, it's making me no money at all, <laughs> right? I think it's taking some. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's taken a lot. So the, the interesting thing is that instead of just marketing, um, like having a TV commercial, oh, the, Rihanna's new album coming soon. No, no, no. You're having actual grassroots marketing. When I see on my newsfeed, one of my buddies says, listen to this, it is amazing. I pay attention way more than if I see a commercial aimed like a blanket, like just aims for everybody. When it's one of my friends in my circle of trusted people who tells me, listen to this, it's amazing. I will go check it out. That's where a lot of the power comes as far as uh, artist discovery, song discovery. When a share goes up in price, what happens? People pay attention. It becomes one of the top songs on the chart. More people listen to it, more people buy it. It goes up even more. It's a good price discovery. But now we just combine price discovery with talent discovery. 
we do have the internet, but we still have a lot of uh, bottlenecks as far as centralized companies before pumping out an artist or a CD. Now we have the power of just the grassroots peer-to-peer system for talent and artist discovery because of the price mechanism. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, I mean, that's great. the potential sounds pretty huge. I guess, you know, it must be a challenge to figure out how to connect all the dots of keeping the value always connected to the coin and everything. But once you have that going... We have that. One interesting thing is that our model actually is a win-win-win for pretty much everybody. If it's an artist that's already signed, he can engage his fans. He can uh, raise capital by selling out some shares or whatever it's going to be called. Mm -hmm. Uh, As far as the music, the big labels, they might not necessarily uh, need to engage any fans, but we're offering them a platform where it's cheaper than iTunes. We don't take that MasterCard that MasterCard fee. So we have a way to engage the fans, advantage the the label. And as far as the fan goes, they have a website to listen, to buy. And of course, it'll be cheaper than the competition. Because if you just do the basic economics of it, if 33% of your expense has disappeared, instead of selling your song for a dollar, you can sell it for 66 cents or sell it for a dollar still, only you pocket all the, the money. The profit actually goes to you now. So there's a lot more room for the artist. The artist is happy. The fan is happy. Uh, people that like to discover new music, they're happy. Investors are happy. If you hate music, but you just like investing in the trends or you're one of those chart guys you're happy the label's happy because it takes away one of their biggest costs so it's really hard to find who loses in there except for visa yeah (laughs) right There's a great quote on the BitShares Music website. Music is everybody's possession. It's only publishers who think that people own it. It was a quote from John Lennon. Uh-huh. Gotta love John Lennon, man. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, the idea of creating music, putting it out there, and then the fans who listen to it also own it. It does become owned by everybody, you know? And music truly is. It's it's possessed by everybody. It's not just the performer. It's the listener. It's the, it's the audience. It's the entire experience. Yeah. And, you know, we all know that the artists should get a little bit more than their guests. Right. I mean, historically, that's always been a huge problem. What do you mean? Those rich rock stars with (laughs) colored TVs? And uh... that's the future of music is here. Own your share, you know, own your bit share, own your share. That's the slogan on the site. But, you know, in something you're right. And Cedric said it, I think, pretty good. But if you look at the overall big picture, see, I, I've been part of the wave. I, and when it went down, it went down. I owned a CD manufacturing business here in Houston. We, we used to do, in the heyday, 300,000 CDs a month. Oh, I did wow. every gangster rap. You ought to see my catalog. I'll sh- can you give us a little sample? Oh, I can. <laughs> yeah, it's all going down. That's all I can, can say. Can you rap it, Eddie? In H-Town. <laughs> So, but, but, but what I'm saying is when it when downloading came in and the iTunes, I saw a lot of people go bankrupt, go out of business, the blockbusters. And in today's world now, the musician, and there was a big change with, with transition, as you guys know, right? You know, going from the digital world, even the big labels took a hit. Oh, yeah. You know, you had these massive manufacturing plants around the U.S., the Warner plant, uh, the Sony plant in Terre Haute, Indiana, where I used to shop all the time. So these guys took a huge hit, but they say that they're making more money now that they've made with the transition, believe it or not, if you look at the financials in the digital, because their costs have come down tremendously. Yeah. And, and the streaming money that these labels are making are huge. They're saying downloads are dead, you know, and uh, you've got all these 
waves of people creating their own brands. And, you know, everyone's talking to each other now through these massive networks and people are figuring it out. And I think hopefully we've answered it, at least in some of the response we're getting, that now it's time to give back to the fan. And you know what, Kickstarter? Give back to the people who invest in those projects. Enough of all that. Yeah, why you kickstart know, that, when you can sit in the driver's seat? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. So anyway, that that's my two cents. I think, we're, you know, we're trying to fight for that and get everybody on an even platform. And I know, you know, we're going to get kicked around pretty heavy if it's successful. And, you know, it, those are just some of the things that come with it. But hopefully we'll have some good support. We're starting off good. Count on Bitcoins and Gravy to be there backing you up because I love the concept. It's great. We, we got your back, guys. Yeah, we will uh, come and do the launch date right here on your show. We ought to do that. Let's do that and come come over there and have some. What is it? Bit, bitcoins and Gravy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. We're serving, serving it up every morning. Nice tall glass of orange juice and bitcoins and gravy. Wait, wait, wait. It was a misunderstanding. It was beat coins. That's oh. what we were trying to name it. Oh, He's yeah. Like, <laughs> 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 Here we are, bitcoins and gravy, everybody. Sorry. So it, <laughs> it, it, we're, we're making it for all categories, genres, I hate that word, but of music. There'll be the country, there'll be everything on there. And Cedric's had some great ideas with American Idol type of format. Just, I mean, it's endless, you know, and it, it becomes to take a life of its own and everyone benefits. So. It's exciting, man. Great stuff. Yeah. Well, so guys, um, tell our listeners how they can find out more about BitShares music and you guys and, and keep an eye out for when the release date happens. What is your cell phone, Cedric? Give him your cell phone. <laughs> yeah, actually, the project is being rebranded, revamped. We don't have a website to point people to probably in the next two weeks, but not... Uh, Very crypto indeed. I, I, I just know I got in trouble from my lawyer when I got back from New York. That's all <laughs> I can say. He said, you did what? <laughs> and somebody, it's where... On a YouTube somewhere? Okay. Yes. Uh, actually, July the 4th, we're going to be doing yeah. hopefully a soft introduction to it. What's happening is the platform itself is under a simulation. So it's working, you know, but we have a simulator trading it. And that goes on, I think, till Sunday. And then Cedric and I get to use it and play with it. And like, you know, it's supposed to be working. And then uh, this is what's cool about all this, because then the social engine plugs into it. We test that and hopefully we can show people something July the 4th fourth coming up in i guess about six weeks cool and that simulator's right. name isn't snoop dog or anything like that that's it? right the snoop dog project that's right but it, it, listen if somebody really wants to they can email me directly at ecorral and that's e-c-o-r-r-a-l at texas spelled out ds.com that's d as in david s is in sam.com anybody got any question about anything when a partner participate have ideas you know expand i will say though we're pretty self-sufficient we've got uh, some of our own funding we can always use more money but you know we're we i think we're going to get off to a pretty good start and um you know, we're just looking to get people on to help us make it grow. Well, guys, thanks so much for joining us on Bitcoins and Gravy to introduce this BitShares music teaser to the world. It's a real pleasure to have you here with us. Yeah, we look forward to talking to you guys uh, on July 4th or thereabouts, right? Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, y'all are first in line for sure on that. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Exciting. Yep. Very exciting. Thanks so much, guys. And we'll talk to you soon. Cheers. Thank All you. Right, Good night. Thanks. See you guys.
We'd like to thank our guests, Stephen McCaskill from Amagi Metals and Eddie Corral and Cedric Cobbin of BitShares Music. To find out more about our guests and sponsors, visit our show notes at bitcoinsandgravy.com slash episode 18. Thank you so much for listening to our show. We greatly appreciate your time and attention. If you like the show, please remember to go to iTunes and leave us a review. Also, hit the subscribe button if you'd like to hear from Bitcoins and Gravy each week. And remember the Bitcoins and Gravy hotline. Have you ever wanted to be a podcaster? Then call us at 615-208-5198 and leave us a message with your comments, questions, or complaints. This is your opportunity to tell us what you think. If you give us permission, we will put you on the show. So call the Bitcoins and Gravy hotline at 615 208 5198. That's right. That's the Bitcoins and Gravy Hotline. And of course, we offer a number of ways for you to download all of our past podcasts. You can go to letstalkbitcoin.com or directly from iTunes, or you can go to our website, bitcoinsandgravy.com. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment and leave a review or comment on iTunes or SoundCloud. Let us know what you like or where we can improve. And remember, it's your reviews and comments that help new listeners discover Bitcoins and Gravy, plus all the other great shows on the Let's Talk Bitcoin podcast network. And we thank you for your generous tips and donations. I'm John Barrett. And I'm Lyd Shaw. And you've been listening to Bitcoins and Gravy from East Nashville, Tennessee.